What's up, everybody? You are listening to NoCo Cinema here on WGN+. Plus. We are your guide to cinema here in the city of Chicago. I'm Tom Hush. And I'm Connor Cornelius. And uh, we took a little holiday break there. It's been a little while since we've gotten to talk to you guys, and we're very excited to be back. Yeah. It's been a while since we've really seen each other. Yeah, it's Connor. been a couple of weeks, obviously. I, we had a little uh, adventure to Cinema Obscura. Mm-hmm. We had the TV party on we the 20th. The t- yeah, that was fantastic. Yeah. That was so much fun. And uh, we had an excursion to the Golden Nugget. Yes, and that was very strange. It was, yeah, it was a, a weird experience as it as it is. As you it know. usually is. Gotta love the news. Mm-hmm. But uh, we <laughs> wanted to get in this episode here before, hopefully, before the end of the year, and uh, do a quick recap. Now, usually, we focus on Chicago cinema and uh, people making movies here in the city of Chicago. But we are also movie enthusiasts, and we want to talk about our favorite movies of the year. And um, I'm going to slap a disclaimer on it. We are only doing movies that we've actually seen you know that's important yeah because you how can you say that it's your favorite i mean we could just go ahead and say you know three billboards outside of what was it having missouri Ebbing, missouri and I, and I saw that but i haven't you, seen you it. haven't seen it yet so it would be kind of weird to if it were on my list it makes sense if it on your list i mean then we'd just be taking crit- yeah we'd just be taking kind of critical consensus yeah. be like oh yeah no this is a good movie i haven't actually seen it but it's good yeah just sweep through rotten tomatoes real quick and naturally let them make my opinion for me <laughs> speaking of which before we get started i do want to touch on with you connor uh this kind of weird idea of critical consensus versus audience consensus now, uh, we've gotten to see the new Star Wars movie. Yeah, as The pretty Last Jedi. M- yeah, The Last Jedi. And as many people have by this point. And... I thought it was really great. Yeah. I thought it was a little... I thought it was flawed. I don't think there are really any perfect movies out there. Right. And since we're doing like kind of a ranking thing today, do you have maybe a definitive place of where it fits into the Star Wars film ethos or whatever? I I would honestly put it up there with... Uh, probably Empire Strikes, probably number three. So Empire yeah. Strikes Back, then New Hope, and then The Last Jedi in terms of ranking ju- above the last or above uh, the Force Awakens. But for a franchise that's almost existed for forty years, yeah, to have the third best in the in the series to come out this year, mm-hmm. or at least for our from our opinion, because I feel the same way. I think it yeah. was top three. I stand by. I think it was very much uh, a, a very very good movie that like i said is flawed but ultimately does it for me it it breathes new life into the franchise and i enjoyed the force awakens a lot me too but you know it was it was a movie that was kind of a reset it was a palate cleanser and said hey we're bringing star wars back to its roots but with these new characters yes i've heard it a million times it is beat for beat the plot of a new hope no one cares right who cares that's I, what you wanted anyway yeah whether oh, you they need say to make, it or not yeah i want another uh, uh movie just like a new hope <laughs> or more okay. like i want uh, uh uh i think nobody knows what they want with a star no. wars movie like they just well and this is a totally different discussion but i think a lot of it has to do with expectation versus reality and the uh the narratives that people who are fans of this franchise created in their heads in speculation and excitement which people do but it's also time to be a goddamn adult and understand that you are not writing star wars you i mean i i understand some of the people who are upset that they kind of toss the uh toss the baby out with the bathwater when it comes to the expanded universe that extra stuff that sure. that was written and kind of became part of this canon non-canon sort of deal i understand because there was some interesting stuff that was done there but at the end of the day disney was go- it was it was a catch-22 either disney kept the canon and then you complained about the fact that it didn't adhere close enough to that you know that expanded universe and there was just like all these inconsistencies and all this kind of shit or they got rid of it wholesale and then you're upset because they're just like, wait, they're not doing X, Y, Z. So that's just... 
that's my feelings up on it. I think people have identified themselves way too closely to Star Wars yeah. as like people. Yeah, but also I do think like a common theme, theme that I notice when I talk to people who said that they didn't like The Last Jedi, I'm not really hearing a lot of concrete criticism. It's more just like they point out plot points of the film that they didn't like, but then they don't. It's like it can't they can't offer like a constructive alternative you know what i mean right i hear a lot of criticism but you can't just like tear something down and leave it in ruins you have to have like you know an opinion to be constructive about it otherwise it's just destructive and random yeah and even to that point it's okay to pick out certain plot things like you know the there's you know a side sequence on like a casino world called canto bite and you know some people felt that that was kind of a diversion a very obvious it was a very obvious b plot sure. like there's the a plot with ray and and the ship and kylo ren and whatnot and then there's the b plot with finn and uh new character rose people comparing rose to uh they're just like oh she's the worst star wars character worse than star- jar jar banks and all this stuff i'm like okay. you must be fucking kidding uh, yeah, like that's that's just, so off base whatever the the point is is that i think a lot of people as i said have identified themselves personally too close to the story sure that they can't they can't look at something and just and uh say yes there are some things that are bad but i would say there are more things that are good now there are people that did not like the last jedi that were just like yeah it just wasn't for me and it doesn't have to do with signing a petition of you know getting it removed from the canon and having disney make a new star wars episode eight closer to what the fans want and that's a reasonable thing to say yeah it's just to be like yeah i don't like it yeah it wasn't for me i thought the bad outweighed the good there are things that just bothered me that's fine i will take that any day over not hashtag not my star wars or not my luke skywalker well exactly and that's i think what you wanted to touch on right tom is because there Mm -hmm. is an insane backlash to this movie yeah it is it is shocking and um we'll go to the rotten tomatoes score to kind of explain where it's where it's at so it is certified star wars the last jedi certified fresh on rotten tomatoes 91 percent positive reviews which is fantastic not a lot of movies really can get up into that 90 percent certified echelon um i think it's well deserved however there's on rottentomatoes.com there's not just the tomato meter there's the audience score so the tomato meter is uh an amalgamation of all these critics that they they send down. it out to they request uh, reviews right well yeah they get the reviews and then they try to give them because there's so many different ways that people review movies some people give it on a scale of one to ten on a percentage a b c d e f like but you it's know, a binary grades, yeah. thing right yeah they they have to whittle it down into positive and negative right so uh they got 91% positive reviews over. So basically overwhelmingly positive, overwhelmingly positive, uh, to give you the exact numbers, 345 reviews counted fresh, which means that they were positive would recommend, uh, 314 to rotten, which means that the critic did not recommend the movie or did not like the movie, uh, 31. So overwhelmingly in the positive category, what there is though is that audience score where users can go and give the score of their own Uh, and the audience score is only 51 percent and that's where the kind of insanity might be a little bit of a strong word but that's where the ridiculousness of the backlash for this movie comes into play right um what i think something that needs to be talked about is one there have been reports that there's an alt-right group that claimed responsibility for like intentionally tanking the score because they don't like the fact that there's i don't know women and black people in star wars shrug i guess you know but we're screw those guys yeah that's stupid like you know that that i want to remove from it i want to remove them well yeah i mean we can't remove them from it because it's just a contingent of people they've been upset since the force awakens right they've been pissed about it since the force awakens and another bit of speculation is that people were so upset about it that they went online and they there's no there's nothing that stops 
uh, just regular users for, on Rotten Tomatoes from creating multiple accounts. Precisely. So people went on and they were so impassioned in the negative about this movie that they created. They took time out of their day to give it as many negative uh, like thumbs down yeah. as they could. Precisely. And um, that's the problem with opt-in uh, surveys. When you do a survey where it's just like you take a survey of you that you don't opt in, like it's just like you, they just approach you, you. Yeah, they just get random people. You're going to get a more accurate idea of what the general public is actually thinking. Whereas with this, they leave it up to you. You could rate it. You could not rate it. So I would say most people either that if they liked it, they rated it positively. But I think a lot of them might not have rated it at all. I don't. I don't have a rating for it on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't have an account either. Many people, I'm guessing, don't have an account. But this was a sense of they knew that they could go people knew that they could go on Rotten Tomatoes create an account and tank the score on purpose because they were upset so that's why I'm, t- I t- I'm taking it with a grain of salt however the backlash is there and it, it creates an interesting divide between the critical consensus versus the audience consensus um, another good example from a little bit earlier uh, this this season was Justice League, forty one percent on the tomato meter. So rotten, uh, and we definitely agree with that. <laughs> um, they sampled two hundred ninety six reviews, one hundred and twenty were fresh, and one hundred seventy six were rotten. So. Uh, definitely not like Star Wars in the sense that Star Wars was like overwhelmingly positive, like in right. 300 so reviews positive, 31 negative. This one almost came close to being right in the middle. Yeah, it's a. I think that's a good choice though to bring it in on the other side of it. Right, but the audience score here 78 percent, wow. significantly higher. Um, now that might be a, a symptom of the thing that we were talking about where people felt that justice league was being attacked and like oh the critics they're wrong they don't they just don't get it so they went and created accounts Mm -hmm. to boost the score but you know when it comes to talking about movies there do you feel that there's an antagonistic relationship sometimes between the audience and the critic oh absolutely and i don't think that it's necessarily very well thought out like when i obviously this is going to be a little bit speculative here but when um I saw that uh, on the Justice League, the 78% audience score compared to the tomato meter. I kind of viewed it, it, it could, I feel like that you can't discount that a lot of the people that went on and said that they liked that movie are maybe motivated not necessarily by how much they liked Justice League, but also like anti-Marvel kind of sentiments and sure. anti-Disney, you know. I think that there's a lot that goes into something like that that is more than, it. that is like wider than just enjoying Justice League, which I I find legitimately difficult. Yeah. Yeah. You found it difficult to, to even to enjoy it? Yes, <laughs> I did. Well, I think it, I think in general, I don't know, and and anything that we say is really just going to be anecdotal. Right. There's really nothing we don't have any evidence outside of things like Rotten Tomatoes of how the general public actually felt um but, but there are the reports, obviously, that people made the fake accounts and went yeah. on for the Star Wars movie. And right. But, like, I just don't know. It's, I guess it all, you can't account for taste. Right. Um, you know, we Everybody's tend, a critic. Would you say that we, that you would uh, tend to agree more with critics more often than you would disagree with them? That's a good question. Um, I don't know. I think that I... When I read critic reviews, I try to... I usually only do it with movies that I already know that I want to see. I don't like going into a movie... Like, if I'm searching through Netflix, I really try to stay away from Rotten Tomatoes because mm-hmm. I know that even though I go into it thinking it won't color my perspective about it, if I see, it like, just, the Rotten does. Tomatoes score, I just can't... I can't, like, bring myself to potentially waste my time. You and know? even with a movie that I might have enjoyed otherwise, because say I saw the Rotten Tomatoes score before I saw The Last Jedi. 
and it was 91%. And the entire time I'm watching it, even if it's good, even if I'm enjoying myself, I'm going to constantly be asking in my own head, it's good, but is it 91% good? Yeah, or like, like you'll like re, you'll repeat the like words from the review in your head or yeah, something. But right. Like I see exactly what they're talking about here. Yeah, it's, no, they're totally right with these criticisms. So. It's kind of maddening. Yeah. Uh, I guess what it comes down to is that despite audience score and despite critical scores, maybe it just takes, and I don't want to uh, shut down the role of a critic because I think critics are super important and can help recommend things to you and can, you know, provide an interesting dialogue about things. But if you, if you are really serious about seeing a movie, if you're really like, I want to see this movie and I want to be fresh and clean and just experiencing and experience it, you just have to avoid it altogether because it's going right. to color your experience either way. That's why I try to avoid trailers and all of that. But I do think that in, I need to adro- avoid trailers more. Oh, but yeah. I love trailers. <laughs> I do. But it's like it's like candy or something. I just got to stay away from it. Yeah, every it's once not in a while. good for you. But um, for you. what was I going to say? Um I think that reviews need to be viewed more as a supplemental thing because, like, whenever you're creating a, your own opinion about something, you can't go to somebody else's opinion first because that's already made up. Yeah, and that's gonna seep into you in one way or another. Yeah, it needs to be viewed as a supplemental thing, and I think that's what it's supposed to be. But it is easy to get drawn into, you know, whether something's good or whether something is bad. Agreed. Well, with that in mind, we're going to jump into our list. So, another disclaimer: these are simply our opinions. Yeah. We are, think of us as critics in this sense. We are simply sharing our opinions about how we felt about a certain movie um, or a certain set of movies in this case. This is, this is not the end-all, be-all of you know the best movies of 2017. There's a million lists out there. We've missed out on a lot of great movies this year that we probably might not get to watch until next year. But this is what happens. We do our best. We try to watch as many movies as we can, and we, we go from there. So, Connor, I'll let you start us off. Uh, This is going to be in no particular order, although I do have a favorite. Yeah. But, uh, um, you know, why don't you just give us one of your picks? All right. Um, I'm going to start it out with a superhero movie because I kind of want to get that just out of the way. I only have one of those on my list. Um, And I'm going to go with Logan. Ah, you made it on my list as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) (laughs) Hugh Jackman's final appearance, supposedly, as Wolverine, which he's had for, what, 17 years? Some to that effect yeah, yeah. It's something ridiculous and it was a great it was a great film like kind of a great swan song for him mm-hmm. it was the first r maybe the second r-rated uh superhero movie behind deadpool well i mean like do do we want to count blade and blade 2 okay yeah and we blade should. trinity we, yes <laughs> the the coveted holy trilogy trilogy of, of blade. blade um but yeah i just thought it was a great uh superhero movie i thought that like it's western elements and sort of it's yeah is like a neo western i thought that it was a great way to approach a superhero movie and uh it kind of gets me looking to the future at you know a superhero movie doesn't have to just be bright colors and capes or uh in Zack snyder's case you know like like sucking the color out of everything and still capes. Yeah. Um, it gives me hope for the superhero genre, like the creativity that's inherent in there, you know? Yeah. And I would agree with that. Those are, those are many of the things I enjoyed as well. Uh, there is just something really deep. I don't know. There, I really got something from watching Hugh Jackman playing Wolverine in this way and really leaning into this idea that, you know, Wolverine has been alive for a long time and, you know, he's old and battered and I, I they're going to be playing to the audience's memories and feelings about Wolverine up to that point they can't not do it. it's the only way the story would have succeeded so from being someone who watched the first X-Men when it came out in like 2000 I was just like it felt so there was so much gravity to it. Yeah. Everything that I watched and it's v- extremely competently directed by, uh, James Mangold who had been trying to give, well, they've been trying to give Wolverine his own thing for a while. Yeah. And they, they got two shots at it. The F- X-Men origins Wolverine was like, 
at best average. Yeah. Then they James Mangold actually did The Wolverine, where he's in Japan. Yep. But th- I this is the movie he always wanted to make with Wolverine, and I think they really did it. If you can try to watch uh, Logan Noir, which is it's the uh, black and white yeah, version. black and white version did of that this come movie. Out? Yeah, the, it's just only a... on home media. Okay. They did do they did do some screenings of it. I know the music box I think had it for a night. Um but yeah, Logan Noir really changes the whole thing. But fantastic superhero film shows that uh, superheroes can be applied to many different genres. Yeah. In this case, you know, an adult neo-western. Uh, I know coming up they've got The New Mutants, which is like a horror movie. Really? Oh, yeah. It's a movie? Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen anything about that. Oh, it's yeah, it's really just at the beginning of its of its, you know, media push, but oh. they've got a trailer out, but it's it's the X-Men, but if it were a horror movie. Wow. Okay. Kind of interesting. I'm in. <laughs> Logan, fantastic choice. Um, I'm going to go you, with my f- my first pick here is uh, The Big Sick okay. with Kumail Nanjiani. Have not and, seen it. Oh man. It's 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 a fantastic romantic comedy. It's very it felt very fresh when I saw it. It's so funny and so real and it's set here in Chicago. And it tells a true story. It tells the true story of Kumail Nanjiani uh when he met his now wife for the first time. Um she ended up going into a coma. They were dating and she, you know, they had broken a co- Now I I don't know how much the actual story mirrors the movie itself, but I'm guessing fairly closely cuz Kumail Nanjiani was involved. I mean, this is about him, but I guess they were dating. They broke kind of broke it off because of uh the cultural norms from Kumail's family about arranged marriages and then um she went into a coma. And he helps kind of take care of He meet, finally meets her parents. And it's just a great story about, like, you know, grieving and struggle. Because she, she lives, but there's grief there, struggle, trying to gel these different parts of your personality and your life. I, it's a great romantic comedy. And it, bro- it for me, it breathed a lot of fresh air into uh, that genre that I feel like had been missing for a while. It was really, really fantastic. So, since you haven't seen it, definitely try to get out and rent. Yeah, well, it's on Hulu, right? Oh, it's or, actually on Amazon. It's produced Amazon. by Amazon. Right, right. So, one of those movies. Uh, what you got next? All right. Well, following the vein of romantic comedy, I guess I'll go ahead and throw in uh, Edgar Wright's new original film, Baby Driver. Really? Yeah, I'll throw I, that in there. I wanted to put it on the list. Yeah, me too. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel great about it because I know that there are some problems with it sure but i will say this i've seen it three times since it came out and i've liked it more and more each time i watch it which is kind of how i feel most of the time with his movies Mm -hmm. so the first time i watched it the things that there were things that stuck out to me and they weren't things that i really liked like the kind of unbelievability of baby and deborah's relationship um and then I think that we talked about this before, how the female characters were really sidelined. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe just poorly written as well. Sure. Um, but the more that I watch it, the more that I I feel like I get where he was coming from. He just kind of wanted it to be like a wholesome love story, whether he... Very I, 50s. Yeah, very, very like a traditional kind of a thing with a contemporary setting which doesn't really work yeah it was it was weird it was definitely very james dean very rebel without a cause okay yeah you know the girl is there to be one in a sense Mm -hmm. which i think that that was ultimately what kept it off my list and i think it's it would just be lower on the list if we had a top 20 i'd probably have baby driver on there right but uh i i do really enjoy baby driver um, I, I went as far as I, I own Baby Driver and I watch it still. And um, I agree with you very much where it's just like I started letting myself just kind of get caught up in it. And in that sense, it's really fun and really great. And those yeah. driving sequences are just top notch. Yeah. They're and I think so cool. I think that he did a great job, Edgar Wright. I think that he did a great job playing with the conventions of like an action movie or even like sure. a heist movie. You know, you don't really know who the villain is. You don't really know. I mean, you know, the baby is the main character but you don't really know like who a good the good people are you know and they all 
all of the people that are established as who you think they are, the stereotypes or archetypes that you think they're fitting into, it changes by the end. Yeah. And I think that that was a creative, you know. Yeah. And even with Baby himself, he is a criminal. Yeah. And although he's he's kind of a victim, he's a victim of uh, personal tragedy that leads him to become a criminal. Um you know, it's it's kind of noir in that sense where nobody nobody's pure. Yeah, everybody's got blood on their hands except for Deborah, right? Because poor sweet Deborah yeah. getting caught up with this this These driving baby, <laughs> <laughs> this baby who can fucking drive, man. Yeah, I, I don't guess. know how they got that baby behind the wheel. But. I don't know, <laughs> but I th- I think that's a solid pick. Solid pick. Uh, John Wick Chapter Two. Oh, okay. Which you and I saw together. That's we saw true. we saw that one together, and um, I really believe that this John Wick franchise will be talked about in like action movie like lore Theory? i guess yeah <laughs> for a long time and especially with chapter two i feel there were some people that i f- that felt a little bit you know underwhelmed by chapter two because where do you go from john wick one john wick one was such a fucking balls out movie without just like knocking people out you know yeah with uh i i don't know where they could have how they could have made it any bigger and better but in my opinion they did and they expanded the world of what's going on and it's truly a little bizarre like there's this assassins guild and yeah. shit they're all hitmen and like they go and have brandies after work and it's it's very strange but i liked the the angle i loved all the action sequences are so much fun yeah and the I don't know. I just I just thought it was a bigger and bolder and more colorful. That's for sure. Yeah, there's some more colorful elements of it. Uh, it does look so great. Rewatchable. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I've seen it. How many times have you seen it? I've, I've seen, seen it. it quite a few. I own it. So, oh really? Uh, yeah, most of these movies I own. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> so I watch them frequently. You do buy movies. I actually bought Baby Driver not too long ago, mm-hmm. but um, uh, I feel like what John Wick Chapter Two did was is what any good genre film does with a sequel is it takes the original um like i'm kind of thinking about like the transition from alien to aliens here when i yeah it starts with like a heavy genre film with a singular concept right there's just the one alien and you're in this claustrophobic shit then you go to aliens you kind of blow the world out a little bit more you expand on the world building and you introduce more villains who which in the aliens case is just more aliens yeah and more characters but with john wick too I feel like it does kind of exactly that. You just go from John Wick going after this one person to, oh, in two, he's going after three people. And now instead of like the one assassin that's going after him, there's like 600 or yeah. whatever it is. And he's trying to get out of the whole system. But, you know, there's this weird undercurrent of just like, nah, man, this is who you are. Yeah. He keeps getting pulled in. And he's just like, no, I'm done. I'm not going to do this anymore. But he keeps coming back and he's so good at his job. And it kind of ends on this crazy point which just sets up the third one which they are definitely going to do uh sets up the third one for just who knows yeah it could it could be the greatest action movie ever made who knows or it could be a total disaster yeah (laughs) but at least i feel like they're taking some interesting uh risks with the action genre this was on my honorable mentions list for if you took something on my top 10 which yeah yeah haven't done so far (laughs) but uh thank god um john wick chapter two had one of my favorite scenes of the year the fight scene between him and the mute bodyguard oh, in the in mirror, the mirror room. room. Yeah, that was so insane. It was spectacular. And uh, great performances all around from Keanu Reeves. Yeah. The dude. The dude's a bona fide action star. I don't know why we thought we should put him in like Bram Stoker's Dracula and all this kind of weird stuff. Yeah, don't the make him do an action. accent. <laughs> no. Just Please. give him a gun yeah, and like give, a pencil or something. I don't know. Give me a gun. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a, to- he's a bona fide action hero and I love it. I am very pro action Keanu. Me too. What's next for you? What's on that list? Um, let's see. Uh, I'll go. I like just following in your the- thematic, uh, whatever footsteps. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with another sequel but it's actually the third part in a uh, trilogy that i really liked the final installment in the planet of the apes 
uh, trilogy, War for Planet of the Apes. Yes. I'm going to put that in there. I think that's a good choice. It, it's not on my list. It's probably just hanging outside mm-hmm. because I did really love it. But uh, it's there, there were just other movies that I felt were really were above that but still on i would say honorable mention and definitely a very honorable mention something that i'm noticing which you maybe aren't doing but i think with my list that i'm noticing is i put a lot of these things on here a lot of these movies on here for very personal reasons yeah i would say so um i'm a huge fan of andy circus and sort of the technology that he pioneered you know the motion capture Mm -hmm. he was sort of like the face of that i feel like it still is early 2000s yeah it still is you know with Gollum, obviously that's andy circus and then uh, King Kong, he was King Kong. And what, was he now? Was he? I, now? I thought nope. he was. I thought he was motion capturing uh, Jack Black. He was actually. He, he was. Yeah, he was, was a Jack Black CGI model. See the crazy thing about that movie? Most of the people are Andy Serkis, <laughs> <laughs> including Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson, directed by uh, Peter Jack. You just see Peter. behind the camera it's Andy Serkis in all the, in the motion <laughs> capture suit. Andy Serkis. It's a well-known fact that Andy Serkis assistant director. King Kong as Peter Jackson in the suit the whole time. It's it's well established. But uh, it's I think War for the Planet of the Apes has got to be one of the darkest movies released this year. Yeah. It was depressing. Name a third part in a trilogy, a movie that ends the story on like barely a positive note. Like mostly it's just fucking despair. Yeah. For a from a human perspective. I mean, not to, I guess that kind of gives it away a little well, bit, you know, but it's I th- a devastating well, ending. Well, let's say, I mean, we all know, well, maybe not we all know, but, you know, this is a reboot series, but we know that it has to wind up being a Planet of the Apes. Yeah. We know where it ends, we just don't know how. Right. So, it's, what I, I love, I wish I could just put these, all three of these movies together on a list of, like, the best, you know, just best franchise Reboots, of, yeah, best reboot, I guess, or best, Re- best, best franchise. Honestly, best like blockbuster movies of of this decade. Yeah, because Rise Rise is Rise is really good. Saved saved from the the perfectly you know Normal. formed jaws of James Franco. Yeah, <laughs> uh, because why did they cast? That's my only big criticism of this whole series of this whole trilogy is was, that James Franco is like the the big protagonist what was the first one called rise rise of the planet Planet of the the apes Apes? yeah so it goes rise then dawn then war and it's um if you ask me those three movies are a master class in uh character driven storytelling and you know this they they're not over relying on plot they're just kind of letting the characters go up against each yeah. other and see what happens. It resets with each movie that you have to like, they have to reestablish what's happening, you know? Yeah. It's I, those three are movies that if you watch them back to back, it is satisfying. Yeah. It is extremely satisfying. And I think war did not get a huge box office take. It didn't get an amazing reception from audiences. Yeah. And I think that's because a lot of people missed out on rise not a lot of people saw rise and then dawn came out and dawn was directed by matt reeves first one rise was directed by rupert wyatt and dawn was so much more it was so much better like rise was good but dawn is so much better and it's it was like what people kind of wanted to see so dawn was a surprise hit and then war comes but it came quite a bit later three years but also it was a dismal summer and which is when it came out that is true it did not come out in a good frame of time but the three years i think people kind of forgot who caesar was and then they watch this movie and it's like this is like the ape holocaust what is happening like who who are these characters again they kind of forgot so it's it's a shame that dawn and war couldn't be released a little bit closer together because and that's when you see like caesar as a character grow and you see andy circus play that character throughout all three it is truly an accomplishment it is us it is a shockingly uh nuanced and beautiful portrayal of a of a character who is a an ape yeah 
is an animal. It's unbelievable. Like, if you wanted to explain yeah. that to somebody that didn't know what you were talking about or didn't know the advancements of motion capture, it would sound terrible, I think. Yeah. Is he in a monkey suit? Yeah. So what? He's just like some guy in a suit? Like, I've, I see that at all of the and shitty he- college parties that I went to. <laughs> but it's, it's just... And it's there's so much depth to it, so I think that was a deserving pick. Yeah, definitely a deserving pick. Thank you, Tom. <laughs> Tom, what do you I'm got? giving you my validation. Yeah, okay. I don't need your yeah, shit now. <laughs> yeah, listen, Tom. I don't need you. I need you. All right. What's your next? What's your next? Um. Uh. So I'm gonna go to Ingrid Goes West. Oh, dude, nice. That's a, a fun-ass movie. It is, and it's really uh, sad. It, it is It is pretty fucked up. It's almost like a horror movie. Yeah. But it's. I, I'll keep it brief, because I don't want to beleaguer the point, but it's a. I would say it's a movie about the ways that we perceive ourselves and the way that we perceive other people. And not to sound like, you know, a Luddite or anything, but social media... A what? A, a, an April Ludgate? <laughs> nice. Not to sound like someone... I don't want to hate on social media here, but we have to be honest with ourselves. It has a very demonstrable effect on our psyche it changes the way that we see people and we think that people operate and this movie totally explores that how exploitative that it can be and uh how exploitative it can make people in right turn. exactly so if you want to watch a uh, a wild horror movie for the instagram generation maybe horror isn't the best word it dresses itself up very convincingly as a comedy i it think do, it really does you think it's going to be funny and then you just stop laughing yeah. And you're like, oh my god! Yeah, like this. It's very intense. So. Maybe thriller, drama, definitely could work as well. Well, I, Who knows? it defies classification, if you ask me. It's yeah. really just a movie about a th- about a thing and some characters. It has nothing to. There's no genre that can really describe it that well. Yeah. What do you have next? Um. So I guess. I watched maybe one of the most unsettling movies I've ever seen in my life in theaters a couple of months ago um, with my family. Killing of a Sacred Deer. Yorgo Lanthimos. Yorgos yeah. Lanthimos' new movie. He made The Lobster, if you're familiar with that. Uh, Dogtooth as well. Yep. Um, if you're familiar with, with either of those. Uh, the Killing of a Sacred Deer left me... We I watched it on a Saturday evening, early evening, and it left me feeling more like anxiety than I think I've maybe ever felt from a movie. Because Holy it shit. just keeps building. It, yeah. Like... Once it gets going, it just doesn't stop. Yeah. It establishes its internal logic in, like, five seconds. There's some, like, magic realism happening in the movie. And once it establishes what, like, is really happening... Because before that, you have no idea what's going on. And you're you're just, like, this baseless, you know pot of emotion man <laughs> and then they establish the internal logic and then it just but it, it doesn't make you feel any better whereas in the lobster it does make you feel a little bit better it's like okay he needs to find uh, a partner otherwise yeah. he's going to turn into a lobster but with killing of a sacred deer you're just like you just keep watching it keep watching it and then it just sort of ends and i think the best thing that i heard in the theater was once it ended everybody in the theater was completely silent and one person said turned to the person they were with and said this is why i don't go to movies anymore yeah <laughs> <laughs> yorgos lathimos saving cinema yeah one horrendous uh experience at a time yeah but it I, was a great movie very well crafted yeah i gotta check it out i have not watched it i'll probably have to catch it. there's a few of them that i'm really been meaning to watch uh was was killing of a sacred deer was that a24 yep did they mm-hmm. jesus christ yeah man. they're unbelievable yeah they're distributing some some serious shit uh that i've been meaning to watch that one and uh good time with Robert Pattinson. Haven't haven't I seen know, it. I, I heard them. good things though. Yeah, we we talked about things. it uh, a couple episodes ago. Yeah, I think. been been wanting to see that. Um, I'm gonna 
do two of them here together uh, because they fall into this crazy revival of horror that I think 2017 has had. And I would say the last few years, this revival of interest in horror. Um, it comes at night uh-huh. and raw. Oh, nice. Um, if I had to pick one over the other, I'd probably still go with raw. Uh, but it comes at night and raw are two just incredibly screw. I, I mean, they're in that same vein of killing of the sacred deer with, it's just like, it's just going to take you for a full experience into the depravity of humanity. It holds you hostage. Yeah. With it comes at night. It's all about like levels of trust and what are you willing to do to survive right or wrong? Mm-hmm. You know what, how, how, far will people go to protect themselves right in the face of adversity and uh raw is just uh, an amazing movie about uh sexuality and uh coming of age mixed in with cannibalism yeah like it's it's so i i don't think i've ever been so disgustingly like aroused <laughs> no enthralled maybe yeah, no aroused just straight up aroused no aroused in the in the in the more um innocence <laughs> sure no it's um it's a, it is a sexy movie that also disgusts you and i really like the way that it plays with that cuz we're talking about a girl that learns to love the taste of human flesh as she's discovering her own sexuality and it gets all intertwined and messed up that it's a freudian dream right. like it's like you could analyze the fuck out of that movie for a long time and it's just and overwhelmingly it's just good it's just a good horror movie yeah it's beautiful um, beautifully shot um fantastically acted all in french yep it's it's really good and really gross in in a strangely sophisticated way see that's what i really like about not not that it's gross in a sophisticated way just like the ways that they achieve what they do but it's not a way that you would normally expect right if you think of a gory movie raw is certainly a gory movie but the way that they approach gore is it's almost like the movie is asking itself a question or like the filmmakers were asking themselves like how what can we do to achieve this end result but in a way that people haven't seen a million times before yeah and i think that could be said of it comes at follows or come it comes at night as yeah. well it comes it, it comes follows, it follows get it out it dies <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it comes it follows get out yeah <laughs> yeah no both of those movies super great um i i have it comes at night and i watch it occasionally still because it just because i mean there's there's very few movies that the title is in of itself a question mm-hmm what comes at night yeah and the answer i think there's a lot of different answers to that question it kind of depends on what you get from the movie there are a couple more obvious ones but yeah i mean one is the you know the killer beetles yeah that you know oh by the way that's a huge plot point yeah there's killer beetles or the random jars of peanut butter that just somehow keep rolling into the house only at night nobody knows why (laughs) it's metaphor it's yeah you guys wouldn't understand well maybe you would all right <laughs> connor all right what's uh, next i'll go with another horror movie we talk about it all the fucking time and um everyone saw it coming but i actually it. just watched it last night it no yes. <laughs> no yes is it really it it's really it and by it i mean get out oh <laughs> <laughs> I was you, using the direct object there, you, Tom. You had me there for a I legitimately thought you were going to say it. Well, I want to... I do kind of want to, like, combine that. Because it and Get Out are both on my list as well. Are you serious? Yeah. So, if you want to... Com- okay. If, maybe I well, could combine... Well, let's start with it. Okay. Because... Ha- how I can think, I? I think you and I really disagreed on it more than we might have initially thought. Okay. Yeah. Um, like I said earlier, I put a lot of movies on this list due to extremely personal reasons and this one i guess it's not a super personal thing but it saved the box office in september early september when it came out or like late august when it came out there the attendance for films was 
uh, attendance at movie theaters was like tanking for like two or three straight months. There had most of the movies that had come out, even though they were good, and we've talked about a few, like uh, War for the Planet of the Apes, they suffered, right? Mm -hmm. And then it comes out, and it becomes like this, uh, it becomes this sort of cultural force that gets people who otherwise didn't really go see movies during the summer. Uh, It got them into the theater, and it got them watching it. And I went and saw it in theater, and I had a great, uh, I had a great experience in the theater. There were a, a group of small kids that their grandfather took them to see the movie and they started screaming and crying during the first like during the opening scene when Georgie gets dragged into the sewer and it was just a cool thing and like I was, you know, I was going wide-eyed throughout the whole movie as well and hearing people sort of screaming in a movie theater. It wasn't an experience that I had had in a long time. And so I have very fond memories of going to see uh, of going to see it. So I wanted to put it on there and I think that there are enough reasons to justify its place on the list. You know what? I you that is a fantastic argument for that. You have you've ch- shifted the paradigm there because you're well because you're absolutely right. It saved the end of that summer. Yeah. It was like a mini phenomenon. As someone who works in a movie theater, there was basically just like 3 months of no one going to the movies, which was like bad. Like that was not good. And then it comes along and we were selling out shows left and right they what whether it was the marketing or the nostalgia or whatever they struck the exact right nerve and it Against, was like all odds a, it's yeah r-rated clown horror movie yeah like and people just flat out friggin loved it yeah they were just like this is this is this would it was that kind of movie that people i guess they would go see and be like maybe i should be going to the movies more often yeah. and while i did not like it very much what i d- i did not like it oh. very much oh sorry i forgot what you were talking about <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry i i didn't i really have a lot of problems with it i thought it was um while visually very cool incredibly lazy and uh one note and too many people were being like, well, it's because you haven't read the book. Fuck the book. I'm not <laughs> reading the book. I'm watching the movie. The movie can't just be devoid of like interesting characters. While there were good things about it, like I loved the, like Beverly shined. The actress who played Beverly was amazing. And I got to give it up for uh, Mr. Skarsgård for playing Bill. Yeah. Billy boy. Bill. <laughs> I got to give it up for Bill Skarsgård for tackling Pennywise in a really campy and like interesting way that yeah. I guess people still found scary. I don't know. Maybe not scary, just kind of like shocking. I don't know. Just He was I, aided by technology more than Tim Curry was true, for sure. True, but I'll I'll give it up to him, but I really love that argument that you made that it got butts in seats and it was it was a smash yeah. it was a smash for them it was and it was man. a really fun movie to see with people yeah i'll get i'll i'll grant you that i'll grant you that but i let's let's get to get out because okay. yeah. you're putting get out on there obviously that is my number one movie of 2017 i know this is not like ranked or anything but get out is by and large my favorite movie of 2017 i think that's really hard to argue with too honestly right and i think taking some of those arguments from it get out was also a surprise massive financial success it came out in like what february yeah a previously thought to be dead zone that was initially cracked wide open with deadpool and as much as i don't really give a shit about deadpool like i i do recognize the significance of deadpool being an r-rated superhero movie that came out in february of 2016 and did gangbusters yeah and it kind of changed this narrative about like the summer blockbuster and it's just like wow you can release solid movies all year round and you'll make a whole pun of wow a whole pun of money a whole pun of money a pun of money as they say a pun of want to make a casino come on out hey but but get out like totally did that people saw for the first time in a while a genre movie that 
told that talked about the black experience. Now, there's something we will. I mean, I'll throw this disclaimer right here. I'm a white guy. You're a white guy. Mm-hmm. Anything we say is I coming coming from rooted that in initial, that experience. Rooted in that experience. But I watched it and I I was just like blown away at how good it was. And I mean, it shouldn't be surprising because Jordan Peele, the director, writer, and director. I mean, the dude's been in working in entertainment forever, so he knows a good story. He knows how to write. He knows. I didn't know he knew how to direct. Like I'm, you know, I, I was just. I'm glad to know that now. But I knew he was a good writer. And uh, but Get Out is such an effective thriller. I'm not going to call it a horror movie. Okay. I think thriller is a more accurate way to describe it, though it does have some. It does have some genuine scares, but it's more about. It's more disturbing than it is, you know, scary. Sure. And um, while Mr. Peel has described it as he said, it's not a, after it was uh, put in the co- comedy category for the uh, Golden Globes, which I think is very offensive. I think that's extremely offensive. I think he was right to take offense to that. Yeah. As well, and um, and if, yeah, and he said this isn't a comedy; it's a documentary. And I get what he's, and I understand the sentiment of what he's saying there, and I understand his his uh, critical point of saying that. But that doesn't. I have fun watching Get Out because it's such a great interplay of writing, directing, and cinematography, and acting. And even though I know how it ends every time, I've watched it so many times, and it's so much fun to watch, and so. It really is pure cinema for me. It's pure enjoyment. Yeah, and that is. I mean, I don't. I don't think I really had any other movies that year that reached that same zenith. I saw a lot of great movies that inspired a lot of different emotions in me, but in terms of uh, you know, um, you know, watching it again and again, mm-hmm. I will watch Get Out again and again and still enjoy it every time. And in terms of like bang for your buck as well, a lot of these movies that are on my list, they're you know they're pushing two hours they're pushing maybe even almost closer to three get out is an hour 45 it's in- incredibly rewatchable just because of all the things that you can pick up on a couple times through mm-hmm. and yeah just like you said it's an extremely effective story all the way through given also what you know about jordan peele uh, coming yeah. from a comedy background the dude the dude knows how to write a tight script yeah that is an airtight script mm-hmm. if you ask me um it's i wish more more movies would be made like that I really do. I really wish there were a lot more movies that would, where studios would take a chance on a mid budget, not even mid budget, really. I mean, it was made for like maybe four, four, five million dollars. Like that is honestly by Hollywood standards, low budget, dirt cheap. That's dirt cheap. They spent like virtually nothing on that movie and their returns were astronomical. So get out is a fantastic choice. Um, I want to throw in, I've got, a few more picks. I've got three more that we haven't already mentioned, but um, I'll I'll do Colossal, which very briefly is a movie with uh, it's super high concept. It's the one with Anne Hathaway, Jason Sudeikis. Super high concept. There's this monster terrorizing Seoul, South Korea, and uh, it's see uh, a, a young woman who's kind of down on her luck discovers that there is a that that monster turns out to be controlled by her and it seems like very straightforward like oh man what a wacky situation you're controlling this giant kaiju in, what do you in do so, whoa uh. but it is a shockingly emotional and devastating like comedy drama about dependence and addiction and the volatility of of masculinity and uh you can all watch it if you have a hulu subscription you can watch it right now on hulu it is so surprising where it goes and how deep it gets from where it starts it starts out in a way that seems very normal but then just takes this left turn into a very deep place and the last shot of that of colossal will absolutely change you it is it is so perfect it's directed by uh nacho vigilando and uh i i can't believe how good it was 
I really had no idea really what it was about apart from the whole monster thing going into it. So if you uh, if you want a movie that's really just going to be you you're just going to want to watch it right now. It's very very good. Well, I have nothing I've to say about it. I haven't seen it. <laughs> I have literally fucking nothing, nothing to, to say, say about it. <laughs> I wish that there was a I'll way. I'll you my copy. Yeah, thank you. Please do. I. Uh, you sound very impassioned by it. Yeah, it's. I. I mean, I feel like I'm. It. This is doing this is kind of weird because I'm talking about all these movies that I love so much, and I can already hear myself using the same adjectives over and over again because these are all the movies that I loved so much this year, and I really had a good time with. Uh, I'm going to throw my last two in here real quick. Lady Bird, you don't need me to tell you how good this movie is. It's, uh, you know, directorial debut by Greta Gerwig. Great coming-of-age story. So solid. Uh, fantastic performance by Shorshi Ronan. And that's how you say it, I guess, is Shorshi. Shorshi. Shorshi Ronan. Shorshi Ronan. Um, get out and see it. It's We're finally getting into the coming-of-age stories that take place in the early 2000s, so millennials can be nostalgic about it now, too. Great. So that's fantastic. And then The Florida Project, uh, a movie that made me literally weep on the sidewalk outside of the center. 12 in Evanston for like a solid five to ten minutes. I could not stop crying uh, watching that final scene. It's uh, a movie, it's kind of like uh, boyhood in the sense that it's not really about it's it's there's no plot per se there's a little bit of plot towards the end but it's really just kind of following these characters who are living in a motel just outside of Disney World in uh, Orlando Florida and it's about it's like this little girl and all of her friends living in this motel and you would never think you would care so much about these kids and uh it's you know child actors are always a difficult thing right sometimes they're great sometimes they're absolutely terrible mm-hmm. jake lloyd yeah we're looking star at wars yeah. episode one yeah son of a bitch somehow better than hayden christensen though yeah i'll give him that <laughs> if you ask me are you an angel an angel <laughs> Yeah, like how the, all of a sudden did Christian mythology just like burst into Star Wars? Like, where yeah. the fuck did that come from? Now this is pod race. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it! But, Please, uh, this is the best of 2017. Not the not worst, not the of best movie of all time. <laughs> <laughs> but the Florida Project is uh, so good. It was so much. It was so much to watch. And the thing that pissed me off is that I had to go watch it in a theater with like literally full of sixty-five-year-olds. And I don't want to sound ageist here because that's wrong and it's unfair. But like none of them got it. They were just like, "This movie's not about anything." And I'm just like, "It's about everything, man." Like <laughs> you just don't get fucking. Get it. You don't get cinema. <laughs> so if you can see it, definitely see the Florida Project. But again, my top uh, movie was Get Out. And then I guess I'll just drop off uh, my last three real quick here. Um, a Ghost Story. Shit, I've uh, I I did see that, but I need to watch it again because that was crazy. It's uh, talk about like an airtight. Well, not I don't know. Talk about just an extremely effective story accomplished with very little. Yeah, sort of like Get Out. Um, and yeah, it's just a beautiful story. It's not it's so really cosmic, scary, every cosmic, very like obviously ethereal. It's a ghost yeah. story. It's it's a wonderful movie. Casey Affleck one walking underneath a white sheet. Yeah, and it's I've never been so happy to see Casey Affleck. <laughs> True. When I'm not seeing him, you know. Yeah. <laughs> That in Manchester by the Sea. Yeah. He's had a great couple of years. <sighs> Movie-wise. Movie-wise. In terms of being, being a human a dis- being. Disgusting <laughs> man. Nah. Yeah, yeah fuck is. Casey Affleck. I don't want to talk about him anymore. <laughs> so I'll just, uh, Shape of Water. Saw that very recently. Love Guillermo. Super happy that Guillermo del Toro is back doing... We talked about this earlier. Sort of what... I feel like he does two types of movies. He, do, he, he does like a concept-driven movie, which could be like Pacific Rim or something based off of, you know, something that he didn't write. Like Hellboy. Like Hellboy. And I love Hellboy. Me too. 
still looking for that third installment, which will never happen. But I, uh, my personal favorite things that he does, that Guillermo del Toro does, are his almost like fairy tale, like these gothic fairy tale original things that he writes pan's labyrinth is one of my favorite movies of all time um i watched crimson peak not that long ago that's a wild movie and it's good it's like it's good it's beautiful if you say what you want about the narrative or whether the movie works ultimately it is a beautiful like gothic movie and he does things with color in that movie that i did not expect going into it i was enthralled and i didn't even like the narrative that much but yeah shape of water is a a beautiful love story between two truly unlikely characters and i just think that he he does a a great job i have no idea what it's like to be deaf or mute and i certainly have no idea what it's like to to be a fish person despite having (laughs) spent most of my (laughs) high school years in the water but god fucking damn it did i love that movie (laughs) thank you guillermo and then uh for my final movie of the year i'm gonna go ahead and say uh blade runner 2049 by my boy denis villeneuve you know what i kind of wish i had put that on there like Damn talk it. about movies that I'll be real with you. I'd, I'd bump Logan for Blade Runner. Okay, you can do that if you'd like. I'd like to. I'd like to take a veto, please. I'd like to. Redi- All right, you can use one veto a year. Oh shit! So good work, Tom. Yeah, we're right at the cusp. Yeah, but now for the next few days, yeah, no veto, no vetoes. <laughs> Don't think about think real hard about what you're saying. Yeah, in the next couple of days. So Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Yeah, in terms of like talk about a movie that plays with its uh, source material in just an extremely visionary way. You're, I mean, I saw the I, when I saw that movie. I mean, I, I mean, granted, I, there was all the hype, and when I saw the the tomato score and all that kind of stuff, and I was very excited. So I went in. I feel like with my opinion a little bit colored, but it fired on every cylinder for me, except for maybe Jared Leto. But like, you know, he wasn't really in it all that much. They probably could have cast literally anybody else. And yeah. maybe would have been a little bit better of a casting choice, but what a what a performance from uh, what's Ryan Gosling? Yeah, I was surprised. I'm not a huge fan of Ryan Gosling for whatever reason, but he was amazing in that movie. Yeah, and he did a really good job. He played it very very serious, very straight, and and that's the thing. He plays it very serious, very straight, and then there's this one emotional moment where he loses it. Yeah, for like just a for just a minute. Yeah. And it really felt good. It like, ties the like, movie together. Damn. Yeah. And it's also got like my favorite, like the hologram, not to spoil anything. I feel like it's not really spoiling anything like the hologram battle. Yeah. The hologram. That was threesome. my, that was my favorite. Like I thought that was like a spectacular. It was very, it was very interesting and very well done. Yeah. I think in a lot of ways and it's hard. I can't, I mean, they made it's, it's so sad that it, that ultimately it was not a box office hit. Yeah. Just like its predecessor. Like maybe it'll be a cult hit later, but I think it was bold for Denis Villeneuve to even go for it to say, we're going to, we're going to do a sequel 30 years later to a movie that was to financially unsuccessful. Mm-hmm had a fraught production process and is still possibly the greatest science fiction movie ever made. And if you ever doubted anything about Denis Villeneuve, I think the one thing that you can't really doubt at this point is his is his vision. Yeah. At the, the dude, very least. The dude knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah. And he And he's not making he, a lot of stumbles. No, he's not apologizing for it either. Like, you know, it's it's just crazy. It's just it's a very interesting movie. You know, I'm gl- I'm glad I vo- vetoed Logan, but I also kind of feel bad because Logan was really good. Logan was really good. So at the at the end of the day, um, you know these are these are our picks for the best for our favorites of the year that we saw, and um, it was know, a great year for movies. It was such a good year. Not a great year. But a great year for movies. I think so. And I'm excited to see where 2018 goes. It's every, you know, 
I feel like every year recently, all of a sudden I see a bunch of movies. I'm like, no, this is the best year. And then the next year, no, 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 no. This is the best year, but we'll see. We'll see where it goes. I think 2017 saw the culmination of a lot of things, a lot of great ideas and a lot of great artists. So we'll, we'll just have to see where it goes next. Uh, just before we go, let's, let's do the three worst. (laughs) All right. The three worst lightning round, lightning round. All right, go Tom. Just, this league bright with will smith and what was the third one <laughs> the mummy oh the mummy with tom cruise oh yeah we did it yeah the uh straight straight up the uh just the fucking worst <laughs> and i just watched bright today yeah produced we by netflix for like nine what like like 90 million dollars i can't believe you got through that whole movie i can't believe it either and it sucks because it was kind of a cool concept but uh directed by david ayer mm-hmm. who did suicide squad not a good movie uh and ri- stuck with the style stuck with the yeah basically this is stuck with it like just a bold move yeah and uh written by max landis mm-hmm. who's been accused of sexual assault by and, multiple people and is frequently one of the most annoying fucking people on the planet yeah. like i'm sorry he's is he the guy that's responsible for the trigger warning entertainment thing at the i don't really know uh, maybe trigger warning he also made he also made american ultra which was a really like kind of lame movie oh, i never saw that that's yeah. jesse eisenberg right yeah he i think he wrote chronicle which is why he kind of came to prominence in a sense not you know the fact that his dad is john landis nonwithstanding right uh you know but he wrote some movies he did victor frankenstein with uh fast or aaron eckhart or was it fassbender no so that was i frankenstein and then there's victor frankenstein with uh uh daniel radcliffe what and who who the hell plays uh professor x Oh, Patrick Stewart was in that? No, 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 no. The new Professor X. Oh, James McAvoy. James McAvoy. It was James McAvoy and uh, Daniel Radcliffe. like, what the fuck is Patrick Stewart (laughs) doing? He was in another... He was in the Emoji movie. He was in another... Yeah, another one of our... Picks for, yeah, for worse stuff. <laughs> but all, we we decided to keep it out because under no pretense should anybody believe that the Emoji Movie is really a movie by any standard. Right. No matter how much Apple tries to make its emojis move in the iPhone ten, well, that's we weird. see you. It Apple. was made by Sony. Uh, the the movie. It was Sony Pictures. Ugh. Really? Yeah. <sighs> Well, fuck. You think it was produced by Apple? No, I just or know they just that license it from a. Mo- I must, yeah, I just assumed that. Like, I don't know why I said. I just feel like the word emoji to me just is like inextricably tied with Apple. I oh, guess. I believe you. Yeah. All right, so there it is. A recap of the year in in movies yeah. that we really loved, and three that we totally fucking didn't. And your cap's back on, and and now you can go feel free to watch any of the amazing movies that we recommended, or some of the terrible ones that we recommended yeah. as well or didn't recommend. watch watch all of them or none of them right like whatever you feel and we're going to be spending the next probably month or so trying to catch up on uh the ones that we missed so thank you so much guys uh i hope you guys have a great 2018 here's some more new movies and more great uh people here in the city of chicago making movies This is No Coast Cinema on WGM Plus. I'm Tom Hush. And I'm Connor Cornelius. And we will see you in the new year.